Visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series Reboot comes Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Spooktober edition of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. We're all month long. We're delving into the creepiest, spookiest, most blood-riddled horror films we were able to get our hands on at such a young age. I am your co-host, Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the mouth. Welcome back, everybody. We're spooky again. (laughs) Hope you got enough sleep for this episode. I didn't, though. (laughs) Me neither, though. (laughs) Oh, no, not me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if that wasn't fun enough, we have a special guest with us today. If you remember our cool podcast art for our basketball episodes, we have none other than Leche Malo himself. Let's welcome him in, Leche. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Gotta say, uh, this has been a lifelong dream of mine. I've always wanted to be on the Malvin Mowgli podcast, and I feel like I finally made it. Hey, Mom. (laughs) Hi, Mom. Glad to have you here, Leche. You want to be Leche? You want to be Malo? Uh, either or. You, you take your pick, all right? You identify as either. <laughs> I, I do, yes, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, without further ado, I think it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. A film that literally put Springwood, Ohio on the map. It also made green and red sweaters trendy. We're talking about the 1984 horror classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Probably one of the greatest horror movies ever, right? I would say it's up there. Top three for sure. One of my top two. Well, Malv, Leche, it's not movies we were way too young to see without revealing the age we were when we first saw this movie. So, Malv, go ahead and let the audience know how old were you when you first saw A Nightmare on Elm Street? Well, I got to tell my story. I just figured it out. If nobody knows, Mowgli and I, we have a nice collection of DVDs, Blu-rays, you know. Our tours, yes. That's what we do. We collect. So Mowgli here had the fucking Nightmare on Elm Street huge box set since we were kids. So my vivid memories were from back then just asking you, hey, I'm on a Freddy binge. Let me borrow it, you know. And I, I would just borrow it from him. I watch all like eight movies in like fucking two days. Like that's how crazy it was. But for me, this movie like scared me. Like you guys know, like growing up, like – I don't really watch scary movies in my household because my parents were like, you know, hardcore Christians. Like, you don't bring that demon shit in here, you know? So, like, when I remember first seeing this, there were a couple of scenes where it looks janky now, 
But, like, there was just a terror of knowing, like, this fool lives in your head, you know? And, like, I hope we delve into this more because this is one of my favorite, like, slasher characters of all time. Has to be. Has to be. Leche, how about yourself? I think it was about seven years old. I, uh, I, I had lived in Canada. I was sheltered as hell out there. I mean, white Christmases and, you know, it's tobogganing. Don't rub it in, eh? <laughs> and then at seven, I moved to a wonderful little town called Pomona, California. Great yeah. place. And uh, I, I move in with my cousins, and they uh, they say, hey, you want to watch this movie? And next thing you know, I'm watching on one of those VHS TV combos. Oh, you know? classic. Yeah, uh, the 10-inch the, the TV. And I'm watching this fucking guy murder kids in their fucking sleep. And it just, uh, just shook me. Like I was just like, okay, uh, uh, I've missed a few things in life. <laughs> Jump right in the deep end, why don't you? The sleep end. And it had to be in Pomona too, right? <laughs> P-Town. <laughs> Those damn Broncos. Well, yes, those are pretty scary stories. Malv, you mentioned how I used to have the DVD box set. I still have the DVD box set. People still watch DVDs. (laughs) It's not just streaming now. My uncle got that for me. I remember we were in eighth grade. My first experience with A Nightmare on Elm Street was actually a couple years earlier before that. Let's see, I was around the same age as you, seven. And um, all in the playground... You know, it's Halloween time. You hear the, the scary movies, and everyone's talking about, ooh, Freddy Cougar. No, Cougar? <laughs> not Ryan, Cougar. Ryan Cougar's older brother, <laughs> Freddy Cougar. Freddy Cougar, right? Cougar. That's another one as well. That was one of my first interactions. I was like, who is this, Freddy? And I used to have a little kid neighbor. His name was Freddy, too, and I'd call him Freddy Cougar, not knowing it was actually Kruger. Was, was he a good friend? He was like one, so oh, yeah. he was a little baby. He was nice, though. He was, he was a really sweet kid. I hope you're listening, Freddy. <laughs> Shout out, Freddy. Yes. And you know me. I was a library boy. I checked it out. I couldn't finish watching it. Yeah, scary. No, very scary. This is probably one of the most scariest movies I watched then. And even now, when we rewatched it, it held up. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the way they lit. Freddy or did not like Freddy, and you just have this shadowy figure running around with fingers on his uh, knives on his fingers. I mean, terrifying. No, I'm with you too. Like that's what definitely scared me as a kid. I like rewatching it now was like the dark shadows. I always brought to you guys that like my favorite scene back then that scared the shit out of me was the alleyway scene mm. where um, Freddy's walking trying to kill uh, Heather, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then he just pulls out his arms. I always call mm-hmm. it the puppet scene because even back then it reminded me of a puppet, but it scared the shit out of me. Go, go, gadget arms. <laughs> yeah, essentially that's what it looks like. But now that's what it looks like. I, I kind of see like the string holding it on the corner. But when I was a child, that shit terrified me. Like seeing like an, uh, this monster like walking super slow, but extending his arms trying to get you. Like it really got me there too, you know? As a, as a horror buff, uh, I mean... I always love in the movies uh, what you don't see, you know, and, and I love the fact that in this movie they didn't right off the bat show you Freddy's face. Eventually down the line you see his face and it's as ugly as you imagine. But for the first movie you almost never get a clear shot of his face. And I loved it because it left plenty of fucking room for my nightmares to manifest some horrible shit. So That element of filmmaking reminded me a lot of Jaws where you see less is more of the shark. And uh, I definitely got that watching it this time. Well, interesting, uh, I got notes on that, too, that Freddy is only on the screen in this film for seven minutes. And to think of that, a seven minutes of your villain fucking catapulted a whole franchise. 
you know, that's still going on today that is trying to get back on today, you know? Not so only that, that Malv, it saved a production company. Yeah, you know, we wouldn't have New Line Cinema if it wasn't for them. That means I wouldn't have had my original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, which is still the best one made. I will tell you guys that. But I don't want to live in that world. (laughs) (laughs) But but like you were saying, like the 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 it's the whole Jaws. It's like less is always more. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Jaws. We all know that was because of limitations. The machine kept breaking down, so we couldn't see the machine as much as we wanted to in this it's not necessarily the makeup but i think wes craven just knew what would scare somebody you know and like his character development for freddie at the beginning was he wanted him to be more menacing so you see it in that style like darkly lit halfway of his face right and like not too much dialogue but like his presence enough is just to like last the whole movie and i think that's what wes craven wanted and he did it let's get into the log line shall we The monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. See, that sounds like an Oscar drama to me. That doesn't even seem like that scary. Directed by Scorsese. (laughs) It was actually written and directed by none other than Wes Craven. Horror god. Horror legend. The stars of the movie... Playing Nancy Thompson, Heather Langenkamp, as Lieutenant Thompson, John Saxon, as Glenn Lance, a young Johnny Depp. Dreamy. Wow. <laughs> that vest he was wearing, that Nike vest. Uh, yeah. I still want it. <laughs> that was hard, though. That was hard. That was not hard. on StockX. <laughs> and playing Freddy Krueger, the man, the myth. Not the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> not the mouth, yes. Not the baby. Robert Englund. Killed it. Woo. Yeah, solid, man, solid. You got a young Johnny Depp, his first introductory film. Like, that's fucking crazy. Um, honestly, What for a good this, omen, though, right? Right, yeah, just starting it off, like, right there. And honestly, it was all luck, which is crazier, because he was trying to break out as, like, as a, movie, a music star, and it was going nowhere, and he just decided to, like, take his homie here to a casting call, and instead, he becomes the role. Like, how fucking crazy is that? Only Johnny Depp. Must be nice. Yes. Let's go ahead and briefly discuss the summary of the first movie, Yeah. All right, we open up. Super scary. I love the music already. That industrial synth. It's just like it's just so random. For like that, that always got me. Like I, I still don't think this is like one of the most iconic soundtracks for horror. <gasps> what? I don't think so. Charles you... Bernstein. That theme song is so iconic. Do 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 do. Oh my god! It, I, it's I, burned in your brain forever. I don't think. So. I think Halloween hits it first, or even Friday the Thirteenth have like a little bit more oomph right there, right away. I feel I, like I think they all hold their weight. Like I, I definitely think Freddy's do 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 like that, like lingering sort of sound just creates that eerie atmosphere. Not only that, we had the lullaby, Freddy's lullaby. That's different, though. Uh, Shout out to crazy. young Aria. Thank you for that. We love that. We're raising it right. Love you, baby. All right, going back to the actual film, we are in the dream world, and young Tina... The Cochina? Yes. <laughs> she's running from something. We can't see what it is. We find out it's Freddy. She goes to school. Guess what? They all have the same dream of this spooky guy with razor-sharp claws, and he's out to get them. 
Love the boiler room and that 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 whole scene. As soon as they start, you got fire, you got steam, kids all sweaty. You got this uh, knife running around the metal pipes and everything, and that that spooky soundtrack going on. I mean, it's a sequence from a nightmare. It's it's a creepy looking place, and and it was just. I mean, what a what a, what a way to set the tone right off the bat. I wanted to bring this up too. When Tina wakes up, and when a lot of the other teenagers wake up, they go for their crucifix. So I feel like the crucifix imagery, the symbolism, played a very important juxtaposition to Freddy and the evilness. So it's like when they were scared, they just you know held the cross. So well, then that eventually like leads on later on to the sequels. Like I don't know if a lot of our listeners actually seen the rest of the like Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. That's where you see it happening, you know, because they have a religious thing. Remember, I don't want to spoil it, but Freddy's mom was a nun, you know. So like they have a lot of that in the later, like the mid three, like. Films. If you haven't seen it, turn this off right now. Go watch and come back. <laughs> All right, you're back now. <laughs> so, Tina and her boyfriend get into a little sexy time, and that's where the first death happens. Tina is violently killed in her dreams. I still those those special effects still hold up to this day. Oh yeah, still scary, bro. Still scary. Absolutely, going up the ceiling like that. She's going up the ceiling. She's getting sliced open. Blood is everywhere. Watching that. The first time, I, I was Horrifying. just in- yeah. <laughs> It's truly traumatizing because you guys got to remember that we don't see Freddy attacking her per se. Like, we just see, like, it's happening in her head that he's attacking her, but we see the outcome, the physical, real-world outcome. So you see, like, her being thrown, dragged, you know, blood coming out, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, just imagine seeing that, like, in real life. As a as a young boy, I just remember that uh that open shirt that she's wearing, right? She has a little <laughs> cleavage exposed, no nipple or anything, but she's just showing off a little chest. And next thing you know, it's covered in blood. You know what a way to like jar a kid like that. You know, way too young to see it. Yes, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is Nancy in the bathtub. It's such a scary, iconic thing. I remember my parents were always telling me, "Hey, don't fall asleep in there. You're gonna drown." Who does that? I've taken baths before, and I've never, never, ever slept in it. You've also not had your bathtub turned into a 20,000-gallon tub, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, like, this is crazy. Like, again, film ingenuity back then, they legitly had a stunt person under her. And, like, they filmed this above a pool so he could be right under there. But both the actor, what is it, Heather, who played Nancy, like, she wasn't even in there most of the time. It was a stunt woman. Because they had to be there more than 12 hours in the bathtub. Like, imagine that. Like, that would be horrible. Definitely pruny, yes. Yeah, I would hate that. (laughs) But yes, Malv, I think one of the most iconic shots in that is Nancy. Her legs are spread open. She's falling asleep. And the claws, they emerge. You don't really need, like, Freddy out there. Like, that's just scary by itself. And because, like, they made these, you know, knives. uh, One of Wes Craven's, I know, was saying that his inspiration was, like, animals especially cats you know their their claws and this is what i was definitely getting like predatory claws coming out you know that's kind of haunting like, yeah that's yeah. when i stopped taking baths <laughs> mal have you had a really cool behind the scenes trivia about this yeah yeah so robert unglin who plays a freddy i was watching an interview with him and he was stating like this is one of the obviously one of the scenes he wished that he had done but like the studio they wouldn't let it do it because like somebody had to be in the water for such a long time and because the blades, some of the blades they used were actually sharp, they didn't want, you know, anything to accidentally happen. Also, when Nancy is fully submerged and she's trying to make her way back out of the bathtub, 
I got the feeling of like someone being trapped in ice. You know, so when they dope, fall into yeah. yeah thin ice and they're just trying to find a little hole to get out of there. I swim a lot, so this kind of hits home to me. This scared me scary, a lot. Yeah. yeah, super scary. Why do you think it was Nancy that was able to defeat Freddy? It's the all the old timey trope. The good girl must always win in the end. The pure one, right? The always. virgin. The white pure virgin. Technically, we don't know whether or not she has lost her virginity, but we assume yeah. in the first scene, right? Because Tina sleeps with Rico, and she gets slashed, and then Johnny no, Depp and he her. He wanted it. Johnny Depp wanted it. He, he could say, like, damn, I don't get any tonight. Damn it. <laughs> she is ultimately the one who brings Freddy out of the dream world. She does her research. She realizes that Freddy was this child molester who was acquitted based off of a technicality and... That's where all of the victims, her friends, that's why they died because it was their parents who plotted justice, you know, kind of their own street justice, right? Well, then that's the religious things being brought up again, the sins of our parents, you know, the sins of our father. The sins of our, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's what it is too. These kids are paying for what their parents did. Like, yes, what they did was a righteous thing. Like, you don't want a a known child molester to like keep going on, right? So they did what any normal parent was like, let's get rid of this fool. But they didn't know. This one made a pact with some dream demon. Hey, you know, he's going to come back and ruin all your kids. Uh, that, that's some evil right there. I mean, to, to you know, come back after being murdered. He's a, he's a child murderer. He's a child molester. No, but just focusing on that, too. It's like, you can't just come and murder anybody. It's like, nah, fool. Murder those kids. More kids. More kids. They have to you know? be under 17. Yeah, they have to be kids, you know? <laughs> like, you just don't murder adults. Like, no, no. Adults is weak, bro. Get these kids. They're way harder. Or, like, they it's taste even harder. better. They taste, yeah, you know? Like- That's the key to beating Freddy. Turn legal. I was going to mention this right here, too. It feels like as the evolution of the Nightmare franchise, like, progresses... Freddy becomes more of a character that is comical and you kind of have some sympathy for. I don't know how much, but in this one, he's a disgusting scumbag. Oh, like, yeah. Nothing about him was really cool, even when he was trying to make those funny jokes where he's like, hey, I got a kiss for you, and he, <laughs> yeah. his, his little tongue over the yeah. phone. Like It was all very vulgar and uh, graphic, right? Oh, no, I, I think he changed the fedora game. He did change the fedora <laughs> game. You're right, Leche. No, no, but I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, me and Leche were talking about this on our way here to the studio. <laughs> That's right, Studio K. <laughs> Represent. But, like, uh, if, I'm gonna, if you're going to keep your same point, I'll, it's okay. I'll bring it up. Leche says that he believes that the character for Freddy improved for as long as long as the franchise went, I put he become a little bit more of a character of what he was, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's bad. We all love the quips, we love the quick kills, you know. But like you were saying, Mowgli earlier, like he was supposed to be like, or he was in this one, like serious. Like even his little quips, he had like, "I'm your boyfriend now." Like they, I bet you they would have hit a lot funnier in the sequels, but in this one, you chuckle, but then you're like, "Man, this fool's fucking crazy," right? Like saying that shit, sir. Uh, I I like the arc of, of Freddy Krueger because yes, in in the beginning he is eerie, he is creepy, he's dark. He you know there's not much funny to him, but I like that later on they brought out the funny because I mean Michael Myers, Jason, uh, they, they were real chatterboxes, but uh, you know they they didn't bring much to the screen. And and I mean for a guy who's this fucked up child molester, I mean the the perverted sort of quips that he started making later in the films really sort of. I mean, gave more character to him, in my opinion, is, you know, he 
uh, it, it fleshed out a person. It's it's not a person you're supposed to like, you know. It's not a person that you want to hang out with and, and drink a beer with. But it's someone why not? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, watch it. <laughs> he's got great hands for charcuterie. But uh, <laughs> imagine those light shows, though. <laughs> hey, that'd and be crazy, massages. right? <laughs> imagine, oh, imagine what? they reboot Nightmare and he's at a rave. Freddie at a rave, wow. slashing everyone. That'd be crazy. I'd want to see that. Yeah, I'd want to see that. But yeah, I mean. He's he's a person, and, and you know, whereas these super being entities of, of the slasher films of the past uh, didn't have any dialogue. This guy did, it lo- like Chucky. They mm. they they came in with a character, with a person that that is still a murderous fucking monster. You know. So Brad Dorif and Robert Englund, both in their first films, were a bit more crude and just vulgar. And it was through that evolution, like, they got to know their character more. They became more of that. So it, it was, like, kind of like they fused together, yeah? Yeah, no, I believe that, too. And I see it with Robert because I, we were talking about this when we were getting here. Like, I felt that in the sequels, like, you were seeing more of his, like, you're saying his real personality come in. Because I was seeing a lot of interviews with him recently. And, like, he looks like a fun, easygoing dude. Like, Robert English. Yeah, he just seems really nice, chill. Like, he's up for laughs and that's who freddie became right of the guy who like made you laugh in the fucked up way but for me it's like i kind of wanted like when it hits a new nightmare status where it got a little bit more serious again i like that i like that mold like yes i like the corpse here and there but i felt like maybe we should see like two more like real serious nightmare on elm street you know movies Phil, they 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 tried with the new one and it it didn't really pan out uh i i I didn't think it was that uh, well received because he was kind of lacking in that personality. It became part of his charm, and and it definitely. If you see Robert England uh, doing panels and things like this, you definitely can tell that the 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 man and the character definitely have some overlap. Well, you brought up the reboot, and for the reboot, for me, I was like, that's too serious. Like you know, I don't I don't even remember him having at least like quirky lines or like quick like quick lines to come back. You know, at least come back lines. You know, because I felt the original Freddy like he had that. He was you felt that the character was right on it. Like his shit. Like you make fun of him, he's like, oh yeah, motherfucker. You know, like it got a little bit too comical. The same way Chucky got a little bit too comical. The same way Halloween got a little too comical with you know. H two O, even though that's one of my favorites, but uh, definitely Resurrection. Like, Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> but it's like that, you know. Like you started off with a well character. I still feel like the character didn't fall off till maybe like the sixth movie. You know, like I still feel like he's very solid. I still love Freddy, and I don't see anybody else playing him, and that's the sad part. Like if Robert dies and doesn't come back again, like I feel like this is one of the franchises that has to die because at least with Michael and fucking Jason. You just put it on a big, burly man who could have those mannerisms, you know? Like, you can't do that with Freddy. Freddy has a distinct style that people love now. I would say that and Brad Dorif as well. I uh, I had high hopes for Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, he was coming off of Watchmen in 2009. He was uh, he was playing uh, Rorschach. And, you know, he, he even with a character that was monotone, he, he still had so much personality. And, you know, he had quips in there, too. So uh, I had high hopes, but I don't think they utilized the the actor. Uh, they really shot him in the leg and just took away what makes Freddy Freddy. Interesting take. Let's go ahead and switch back to the original nightmare. Freddy is out for vengeance with all the teenagers. He has already taken out Tina. He has taken out Rico. Next up, Glenn. Wow, 
Not my baby. Not my crybaby, Johnny Depp. <laughs> they did him like uh, that, bro. They did him dirty, though. They did him dirty. That was fucking like some gruesome shit there. That was... Okay. What was your most gruesome death in this film? Was it this death? Let's give it to our guest first. I'm I'm going to go with the, the first one. I mean, I, the, the, the walls being splattered with Tina's blood. death, yes. Tina's death. The, the way Tina rolled around the walls, the way they did that, the, the, the room rotating and her just being dragged across the ceiling, to this day is still, like, burned in my it's brain. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Glenn's bloody death is probably a close second, uh, but definitely Tina for me. For those who haven't seen it, Johnny Depp's character, Glenn, is falling asleep, and he's literally getting sucked into a vortex in his own bed. And it's like propelling his blood all over the walls. Super crazy, super dark. That changed the game for me. Yeah, that was crazy as fuck, bro. And, like, they did that because of a Shining reference. And, like, you see it, like, it had the same reaction. Like, you, it looks real, like, compared to film blood. You know, like, that visceral strong red. Yeah. And, like, I was watching the, like, behind the scenes, and they were saying, like, that was essentially just, like, red paint and water together, you know, like, that they put together. But it's, like, when you see it, especially they film it in slow-mo, like, you see the water gushing back up. You're, like, that's violent as fuck. Like, Glenn got violently eaten by that fucking bed. As just by Freddie, by Freddie, yeah, and especially just being spat out like no, just blood, just fucking infinite <laughs> like blood. Like he went into a bed blender and like came out blood straight up. For me, watching it the second time now, I had way more sympathy for the family and like the coroners and the police. Like, my were... God, what are you a fucking adult? <laughs> I, I guess we are now. <laughs> Ma, grab the mop. Yeah, right. So. You just see the horror and the shock. Like, imagine your child just like going oh, into their room and like. You can't even have a proper burial. There's there's no ashes. There's no bones. It's just blood. blood. You just get a vial of blood full. That's the urn. The urn of blood. Uh, right? I think he's dead. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think he's going to go to the prom this year. I told you not to have him hang out with that girl across the street. <laughs> I'll take you to prom, Nancy. <laughs> no, but that shit was crazy, too, because, like, that was the same room they used uh, to kill Tina in. So they just spent, you know, when you film this, like, you have to spin the room and have the camera at a fixed point. So it looks upside down, but it's not upside down, you know. But they were saying a crazy thing. That was 500 gallons of fake blood. And the one thing these fools did not know is, like, they had electricity going on this fucking room. So they filled it with water, essentially. And the people who were controlling it behind the scenes, they were getting electrocuted with this. Like, they they also lost control of the room. So, I mean, they, they had the weight of the room without gallons of blood in it. But as soon as they... St- Threw in this, you know, swashing blood going around, electrocuting people, and all of a sudden the room goes out of control. And next thing you know, they're not yelling "cut," they're yelling "run." Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, you know, and that that shit's crazy too. Like we always talk about practical, practical filmmaking. We always talk about that, and this movie is already thirty plus years already. And like we still like, yes, we know the jankiness of certain scenes, like the one I brought up with the puppet. Like that's, that's probably fake. the only jankiness in this, though. I feel yes, I feel that too. It still because, holds up because the room it looks so intense. And the same, there. There's a part where Freddie cuts mm, himself. Oatmeal stairs. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll mention, talk about that later. We're gonna yeah, mention yeah. the oatmeal We'll talk about that right later. Now. Okay, <laughs> let me give the praise. All right, but at least you're right. But like to say, like this is why we love the movies, even though like we know there's miniatures, we know that it's not real. Like there's just a charm to it, and it feels more real because you know that person's interacting with it. We know that was a room filled with blood. It's not real blood. No one died, but just to know that shit, that's real. 500 gallons of fake blood. This isn't blood. CGI. Yeah, you know, and you could tell the difference. I, I think that... As an appreciation. Yeah. 
when you see uh, something like that animated, it doesn't hold the same appreciation. I mean, it, it's an art and it's beautiful to watch, but I mean, you know that they had to build that room, build that mm-hmm. rig, figure out how to fill a room with like hundreds of gallons of and blood. And not get electrocuted. <laughs> Which they did not do. I want to bring up another effect too. When Nancy is dreaming in class and it's Tina coming out and she has that, you know, she's in her... Um, body bag. She's Yes, she's in the body bag. Mm. Wow, that Scary. scared me. That wow. and she's getting dragged along there. And Pretty so, sure that one gave me nightmares. No running in the hall, Nancy. <laughs> Shit, dude. No, Damn. that scared that that scared me too. Like that that one is scary as fuck. You just see her being dragged in that transparent body bag and like nothing's dragging her too. Yeah, and that, that, I think that's what was like the cool special like effects helped that with this movie because when we see Tina getting killed in the room. She's being, you know that the character is supposed to be there. He's just invisible, but it's scary the way they move. And you don't get that in CGI this way. Like, it, they move too smoothly somehow or, like, too too dolly, you know? Case in point would be the the um, the CGI uh, versus the rubber wall. when they in, in the first one, they did the wall. They did it with the rubber, and he was pressing the wall with his, with his claws versus in the, uh, in, in the new one that they did it CGI, and it just didn't hold the same weight. Like, to me, it, it didn't hold the same, like, fear. Like, when you saw that, that wall looked flush when he did it, and then all of a sudden it's stretching out. I'd never seen anything like it before. Shout-out to the special effects team. Shout-out to the art department. Shout-out to the makeup, costume design, set deck. It still holds up. Oh, yeah. All right. So now that Glenn has been, what is he, blended? Liquefied. Liquefied. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Shout out to the Simpsons. Goofy, right? Goofy. It's now up to Nancy to save the day. And Nancy has it pretty rough, right? Her mm-hmm. dad is a sheriff. He's never there. Her mom just turned into this crazy alcoholic. She has bottles everywhere. Bottles frozen, on- too. They're all frozen. <laughs> frozen in the blankets. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, she figures out that Freddy can somehow make his way into the dream world because she snatches his fedora. So now she's like, maybe I can bring him into the real world. She actually does that. She does kind of like a home alone kind of battle where yeah. she has like the light set up and, you know, the stairs, the oatmeal stairs, the infamous oatmeal stairs. Ugh. I told you while we were watching it, I brought it up. I was like, that ruins it because you could definitely see where she's supposed to, you know, her mark. You see her mark where there's the hole and like where she's supposed to hit. And that shit, that oatmeal pancake mix, whatever they use, you could tell the texture compared to the it, rug. It was like two feet below, too. It was like it was like recessed into the staircase. So when Nancy is in her dream, she's trying to climb up the stairs. She's falling into the steps. And that effect was a practical effect. It was done using oatmeal or... it was they, It's pancake. oatmeal or pancake mix. They're both, not sure. Both, they both, 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 both together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of takes about it. Wes Craven himself was not a fan of it. Uh, it is what it is. It's part of the film. He hated it. You can't always hit 100. <laughs> Wes has uh, nightmares about those stairs, though. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? All right, going back to the Home Alone stuff. She gets him there. You think Freddy's dead, but he's not. The film ends with Nancy waking up. Glenn and all of her friends that are dead are picking her up on their way to school, and her mom is, like, waving them goodbye. Then all of a sudden, you see that Freddy is in control of the car. He speeds away, and this felt super janky to me when, when Nancy's mom, mom <laughs> she just gets sucked in through the window. I love it, though. If, since back then. Yeah. Since then. since the, Come on, everybody has to agree. That looked like a blow-up doll back then. I bet you it was. Uh, I wonder if they released the Nancy's mom uh, blow-up doll line after uh, that. I have an interesting question for both of you. 
Yep. Is this Wes Craven's greatest spooky franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street? Well, I'm going to be a simp and say I believe this is his, like, you know, he's going to be known for this and Scream. Like, those are both on the same level. Like, because I feel that he's giving the fans what they want, especially in the first ones, at least. It's like, yeah, you put real story in there. He looks up the, what, some Cambodian kids dying in a nightmare. It was like, a Laotian refugees, uh, the the now known as the Hmong. And consecutively, there was about 17 or 18 deaths that everybody died in their sleep. Everyone died from heart uh, from heart problems. While they were sleeping. While they were sleeping. So the, they, they believed, because the, the community was known to journal and record their, their dreams, they believed that something in their dreams was killing them. And Wes Craven saw this article, and that's what gave him the inspiration behind the yeah. Kruger. Yeah. That, the Cougar. That, that's exactly. So he, he took it, he ran with it, and he turned it into this uh, red and green sweatered uh, child killer. Don't forget the fedora. Damn straight. Side quest, can I side quest? We've got ourselves a side quest. Freddy Krueger was actually a kid who bullied him in school. (laughs) So he took that kid's name and slapped it on a child molester. Lecce, Malv, is this your favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie? I'm going to say this and New Nightmare. I fucking love this movie. Like, rewatching it with you guys, I was like, yeah, this is a fucking well-made piece of cinema. Especially when New Nightmare, Wes Craven was like, let me bring this back. You know, and this was right before his scream days. So he wanted to be like, let me do something different. And I think that's what I feel about him. Like with his pieces that he put in is like, let me try something different in the game. And it worked. I feel a new nightmare uh, birth scream. Um, the meta of new nightmare. It was, you know, Heather Langenkamp. It was Robert England. It was the, the actors of the, the original film being terrorized by Freddie. Right. So it was the world in which they are living in a world that the, the movies existed. And that was the idea behind Scream, was that let's put them in a world where they've all seen Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. They know the rules that the movies follow. So I feel that meta sort of vibe that, that New Nightmare had is why Scream exists. What about you, Mowgli? What's your favorite? Don't you say Freddy's Revenge. Oh, shit. <laughs> New Nightmare is solid, and the makeup, too, that Freddy has is a bit different than the original. So, like you were saying, it's kind of its own little reboot as well. So, not only did it introduce Scream, but it kind of rebooted a franchise within a franchise itself. But as far as, like, the experience as well, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Hard. Welcome to primetime, bitch. (laughs) Those deaths, Lawrence Fishburne. I loved it, yeah. Those are fun, though, but see, those are fun. Those are fun, but, you know, like... Which one is your favorite? I would, Which this? Yeah, so it was probably going to be Nightmare 3. I put like, Freddy versus Jason there, too, because I saw that in theaters, and that was sick as well. That was just fun. Like, again, fun. And, that movie was fun as fun. And it was a crossover. Remember the rumors for that? Like, everybody thought it was going to be Freddy, Chucky, and Jason. Yeah, or Yeah, they're going to bring Michael into it next time. And, and that's then. when, like, the internet was kind of taking off right there. Like, yeah. all the threads, everything. Yeah. Moviepoopshoot.com. That's where it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to Jay and yeah. Silent Bob. Yeah. You know? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to conclude our first annual Spooktober edition of Movies Week. We were way too young to see. We thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Mal. Thank you to Leche. Thank you to young Arya. We love the spooky Mowgli lullaby. Shout out, Arya. We hope you had a blast listening. We always have a blast recording. Questions or comments, feel free to email us at malvinmowgli at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And one more thing. Follow us on social media, will ya? 
at Malv underscore N underscore Mowgli. Hey, if you guys like this, don't forget, we also have a basketball podcast. I just want to throw something in real quick. I thought we were doing the Nightmare at Barclays. Uh, All my notes were for Freddy Cryery. And yeah, I had to throw those all out and wing it. So hope this worked out. Till next Spooktober, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to podcasting, bitch.